0: Welcome, welcome, everybody! Once again to the Low Key Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Aaron. Joined as always by Tim and Keith. How are you guys doing today? Good.
1: good. Happy holidays. Happy everything.
0: Yeah, all of that. And uh, today we're gonna talk about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Um, this is originally a screenplay by August Wilson from nineteen eighty-two. It's been adapted by Ruben Santiago Hudson. Uh, screenplay for this film. And um, it stars Viola Davis, uh, Coleman Diago, a list of others, and is um, also now gonna be heralded as, because it is the last uh, performance by Chadwick Bosman uh, Boseman, excuse me. Uh, so y- this film has been, you know, highly anticipated for a lot of reasons. Um, and really, gave me something I wasn't expecting. I've never read the play. So kind of me by surprise, um, some of the subject matter and the fact that Ma Rainey is actually not the central character of it. Um, so I think there's a lot to say here, but I guess uh, Keith, you can start off with you. What did you think of uh, the film adaptation? Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I think, um, so I've
2: never seen the stage play, but I did read the play a while ago and, I remember from what I initially remembered of the play was there was this thing about, to me, about these big like generational gaps and stuff. But mm-hmm. like we have Ma Rainey that, that represents this, um, kind of like something that me and Tim talked about at one point when we talked about The, the Star is Born, how like the, you have characters that represents a certain um, certain generation. And also um, the music of that time, whereas like Ma Rainey represents this the blues. She's she's like the living embodiment of blues, and Levy being that of jazz in this um, new generation of um, I was about to say colored folks (laughs) of black people, you know, of the youth that is a little bit more. Kind of wanting the same thing as someone like my Rainey, she want wants that the power and the respect, and, but then he's also so fueled with so much anger, so much resentment, and and it's and it's kind of like the music itself, you know. When you think about jazz, it kind of has that um almost like a what what would the, what would people say like kind of like a unimprovised feel with it and stuff.
0: Well, I, I would. Well, you said unimprovised. I mean, I. I guess my thought would have been maybe improvised, and also like it, it's hard to control it. it, it it's yeah, not, that's what I mean. Like no, no control in it. Yeah, I mean, not that there's none, but oftentimes it's more free flowing and, and doesn't like to be confined. That's how a lot of people oftentimes describe that era and where it ended up going of, of jazz. Yeah,
1: it's funny because it's like it's this it's known as this totally freewheeling improvised music and I'm like they're all on heroin and they're just like vibing out, but <laughs> it's the level of playing at jazz music is so much better than the level of playing at like any type of popular music. Now, it's kind of a crazy thing that we used to think that.
0: I will say, I mean, one thing, one central thing uh, of this film that I think completely goes overlooked and, and I don't, again, say stage um, adaptation, no clue how it's it handled, but, um, if you hang with people and y'all are smoking weed and y'all getting along while you're smoking weed, keep smoking weed. When that high is gone, ain't no telling. Because they they everybody good when they they pass in the joint early. But when that high left, it just all went to shit. I, I think that's something you know we we should you know think about as as we move further along and the violence and everything else starts into. <laughs> Tim, what did you think of the film? <laughs>
1: Um, To pick up on what Keith said about generational change, uh, Caleb Hammond, who's the managing editor at Movie Maker, Mm -hmm. got to talk to George C. Wolfe, the director of this movie. And one of the points he made was that this is a time when singers still run the band. The singer is still the band leader. Mm -hmm. And we haven't quite gotten to the era of the band leader leading the band. Um, And so what we're kind of seeing is that the Chadwick Boseman character wants to become the leader of a band. And while he's, you know, working for Ma Rainey at this point, he definitely wants to supplant Ma Rainey and become the musical direction of this group. And nobody's really used to that idea yet. They think that's really kind of crazy that he, that he thinks that rather than letting Ma Rainey lead. Um, So I just, I didn't, I didn't have that context when I watched the movie, but I thought it was much more interesting knowing that.
0: I noticed it, but I, but it, it didn't stick out to me to, to think about it, you know, like, between eras, like where we are um at, at that time in nineteen twenty seven. That's actually um that's a really cool uh thing to, to consider um you know on a second look through it. Um yeah, there's so much happening in this movie. I mean and I guess I could start by saying I, I did definitely enjoy it quite a bit. Um I mean the performances are top notch there's a lot of really um interesting uh choices that the film makes I think as far as you know, what they choose to uh, really emphasize as it pertains to the managers yeah. uh, for Ma-, Ma Rainey and the way that it it doesn't bang you across the head with this stuff all the time. I mean, obviously, you know, it talks about the tensions between race, but how, like the the, the same sort of dynamics that we have with musicians in studios and, and producers, That same thing, that same dynamic exists now. And unfortunately, part of, you know, uh, Levy's whole thing is why he's sitting up here making fun of people like uh, Toledo for being a sharecropper. He doesn't understand the business enough to not hand over songs for five bucks so that they can just be adapted by any old band later, you know, including white bands who he definitely wouldn't have wanted playing his music because he wouldn't have felt like they were really jamming the way they should have. Um, there's I, I the
1: white versions were better. I mean, I'm sorry, I just, I just <laughs>
2: <laughs> also, also to, to that point, though, he actually didn't hand over his music, it was literally taken from him.
0: Uh, okay, w- so what do you mean by that? I mean, like, because when I when it, so just to be clear, when I say that, because maybe I misinterpreted something there, when um, he's speaking to what's his name, uh, St- or it's uh,
1: almost Stuyvesant it's like
0: Stuyvesant, Stuyvesant. oh yeah well I, I thought it wasn't spelled like that but yeah but that's how you know would say it in New York anyway um yeah. well so when Stuyvesant is um so it's he, he
1: it's Sturdivant I just he my my right, mother New Yorker
0: but Sorry. okay so here's the thing when when Levy is is talking to him and he's like you were gonna let me record the songs right you were gonna let me record the songs He's like, "Well, it's not right for us right now and he says but I'll pay you five bucks a piece for him He's buying essentially the the rights to use the song like that he owns the yeah, song he, when he does it. But there wasn't like
2: a, a actual agreement where Levy was like, yeah, let's make this exchange. I give you my songs for the five dollars. He literally put the five dollars in his pocket and pretty much was like, I'm going to just take these songs off of you. So he pretty much like bitched them like pretty much like. No, Well, but, but, Levy, that, but that, that's Levy. his fault
0: because he gave him the sheet music
2: yeah that could be true but he didn't really
0: but that's a that's a that's a lack of savvy by him you wouldn't hand somebody over your sheet music that'd be like if you wrote some thought it was pretty straight handed to somebody who's a producer and then didn't have any way to protect what you had done and they were like yeah it ain't really for me but i'll pay you a little something for it and then next thing you know it's being produced and, and, and done and all that
1: well yeah, but, it's 1927 though. Like that's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, like how how yeah. he, he's
0: not necessarily going to be savvy in that kind of way to know that, but he doesn't. He he thinks he's more smart than everybody else, but he's getting played just the same way. That's true, and I, and
2: I think that was the whole thing. You know, once he realized that he's getting played, but but the thing was that it was more it was more like that that it was like completely taken from him. Like he was. He was under the impression that he was making the songs for, um, what's his name, Stevenson, right? And well, that, it's the Sturdivant, whatever it is. Yeah. And so, like, dude could have easily just said, like, you know, I don't like, we don't like your songs. We're just not going to use them and give them, give them the songs back. So really what it came down to was that he was going to take the songs regardless if he gave them the, took the
0: $5 or not. Well, he didn't have to give them the sheet music. I mean, so the thing was, I, I, I I think partially what we're supposed to get is he thinks he's so street smart and understands so much. It's so like he has a you know obviously a lot of resentment for white people based on what happened to his mother and that and that you know his his past story, which mm-hmm. we definitely should get into later. Uh, but really, all the older cats are telling him, "Look, you you know we're not even just trying to make fun of you." Even though, really, they were just playing dozens with him. Like, he took it to a new another level, you know. But at the end of the day, they were trying to tell him, like, look, young blood, this is you – don't, you don't get it. Like, we haven't seen a lot of other people go through this, and you finna get played just like everybody else. Like, you send them put yes, sir, and, and budding up to them. And you don't realize it, but they finna play you too, just like Ma Rainey. She mm-hmm. understood, just like she told Cutler – at the end of the day, once they get my voice on this box, there's you know, like they're going to treat me just like any other, you know, anybody else or any other black person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so she understands that dynamic and she plays things up the way she does so that she can have control, mm-hmm. not just because she's a jerk, but that's how she can exert some sort of power. And he levy is jealous of that and says so out loud that he wants to be able to do what she does. He wants to be able to talk to a white man the way she does. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a really cool thing going on in this movie about who owns art and who owns work. I mean, you can look at it as, you can look at the music as a metaphor for kind of anything, especially in that era. Um, But another detail that Caleb got is that this studio where they're performing is previously a warehouse. And the Mm -hmm. way it's designed the owners of the warehouse would look down at the floor and like, make sure that everybody was working. And so you mm. guys, I'm going to just, I'm going to call the white guys Stadler and Waldorf after the two old white guys in the Muppets. Cause I can't remember the name. Um, <laughs> Stadler and Waldorf are up there like watching the musicians as if they're like assembling parts, um, mm. which I think is interesting. And Ma Rainey really breaks that, breaks that cycle. Ma Rainey is like, I am the owner of this. I'm in charge of this. I don't trust you for shit rightfully. And then you um, screw it up. I mean, it, it kind of makes the case that you have to own your art. You have to own the work. You could almost read it as like a Marxist thing of, you know, the workers need to uh, need to own a piece of the factory themselves for this to be just um, because you see what happens when the musicians are treated like cogs and you see what happens when Levy trusts the owners, um, you know, Ma Rainey is the, I, I, in my reading, Ma Rainey is the only one who plays it right.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But on on the other end of that, there are consequences to doing that too, though. So, you know, her, she has lost, if, if whatever way, I mean, look, the film, in, in the in the play, seem to be she's not the central character. I would argue. Yeah, um, I agree. The central character is the studio session. If we're talking about like just most important like person, it's definitely Levy. Um, but what holds all this together, and the actual name of the of the film and in, in, in the uh, stage play, is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's about this dynamic between artists, well, in this case, singer, band, studio, and all the business interests um, intertwined and all the celebrity and the power dynamics and the racial dynamics of the time. Um, all that stuff is, is like intertwined to like create what we have. Part of what we we don't get to explore but is mentioned and I do think it's important is that my Rainey doesn't truly have... She has people that she cares about and that she wants to take care of, like her nephew. Yeah. Right? And how she's really insistent that he doesn't... Get, I mean, he, she's like, he needs to make his own money. And you need to own up to what you said you were going to do. I make you a shit ton of money. You need to pay him out of your pocket. You don't take that out of my pocket. You pay him. Because he has to send that money back home. And he needs to make his own way as a man. She's trying to helping insist that he find a way and get some confidence instilled in him, that stutter, you know, may be an affliction that's more than just simply like a momentary thing. And, you know, uh, more than just him simply being nervous, but he needs to be used to getting in front of adults and doing stuff. You know, she's trying to be protective of people, but on the other end of that, not just the people in the recording studio, but everything, is so transactional. Everybody in the whole play that we witness, their relationships with her are very transactional. The nephew may love her, but he's there because she she's going to help him, you know, grow up a little bit and help him get paid. Uh, Ducey May is there because she being a, you know, and this is just her character. I'm not making some huge judgment on it, but like she's there to be seen and make some money by just kind of being in under her celebrity or whatever. You're Same thing. Whatever. Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't call her that exactly because some people get upset with that. But yes, that's what she is.
2: That's exactly what she is.
0: Man. Yeah, but the band is there for, you know, <laughs> to make the money, you know, playing with her and touring. And then, you know, the recording people are there to make money off of her by putting, as she said, putting her voice in the box. And then they ain't going to deal with her no more. And if you notice, like, they give her cash. It's not like she's getting royalties off this. You know, she has to sign papers for them to release stuff. But at the end of the day, it's not like they're giving her much of a chunk of what they actually make.
1: Yeah. I mean, she's cynical enough to take cash, knowing that that cash is the only money she's ever going to get. But she's also right. Knowing-
0: well, but, well, but, 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 so not because of just simply that. But remember, like even Cutler says, when he got a check, he couldn't cash a check because he's black. And everybody kept thinking he stole it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's why they're insisting on cash because they're in the North and it, you know, I mean, could be like that in the South too, but they're, you know, they would talk about how they would get a check and then they spend
1: the whole day trying to cash it. I mean, they're right to ask for cash. It sucks. Yeah. It's a, it's an absolute shit system. And I mean, this is, it's kind of like Shakespeare where you see this stuff and you go, oh, that's a cliche. And you're like, yeah, that's a cliche because Shakespeare started it like, (laughs) the whole the whole thing of musicians getting ripped off this is like the origin story of musicians getting ripped off i think which i don't know i thought that was incredibly cool
0: i mean hell it's the same in modern day with all these 360 bills and stuff like that but you know yeah it's kind of incredible how that dynamic hasn't changed a whole lot um so before we kind of get a little more into uh levy um what did you guys think of the other members of the band? Uh Carla, Toledo, Slow Drag.
1: I mean, Toledo's the heart of the whole thing, right? Like mm-hmm. it, just in that you just you just love the guy. It's it's very well written the way they set everybody up and everybody's dynamic.
0: What did you think um, of his leftover speech? You know, about, I saw...
1: Stopped- I saw this about mm-hmm. three weeks ago. I don't remember the leftover speech. Precisely. So
0: in the leftover speech, it's basically this, this, uh, the way he explains it. And I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast before and if we're in different movies, but this idea that, cause he said, okay, like, you know, people who were black, you know, made different stews out of vegetables and all this different stuff. And it's like, it's real. Like I, I was like, where's it going with the story? But then he talked about how, like, basically, this was like the leftovers. And he talks about, like, Black Americans, because they don't know where they came from, because they don't have they don't know their native tongue, because they don't know all this other stuff. They are the leftovers. And what does the colored man do when the colored man's the leftovers? And like, before you even know it, you have to acknowledge that you're, you are the leftover. And if you don't acknowledge that, like, you're just kind of drifting and lost and can't do nothing with yourself. That's how. That's how uh, Toledo explains it. I don't know why that just made
2: me think about my mom and my grandma eating chitlins this Christmas. Because they're leftovers because <laughs> they're leftovers right? <laughs> like, that's why because black people eating
0: chitlins and leftovers from a hog the idea of eating pig intestines though but it makes sense to them yeah they're the leftovers from you know, enslaved like you know the the master and everybody else would eat all the other pieces of the pig and then the intestines are what were left over and that's how black people started eating chitlins yeah and there's the pig snout the pig
2: feet and all of that stuff mm-hmm. They go back to that generation gap because, you know, Levy hear all this stuff that Toledo says and he's just like, uh, I ain't got nothing to do with that. That's like bullshit, you know. The same way I think it's disgusting to eat <laughs> fucking pig feeding
0: Well, shit. but but see, he... I, let, let's come back to Levy because th- there's some <coughs> things we definitely should talk about with Levy and Toledo, especially given how things in. I'm sorry. Um, but what about like... um. Slow drag and Cutler. Slow drag seems like a really um, always trying to be like the kind of like the tape of the band. Mm -hmm. He don't want to rock the boat too much. He know the secrets, but he's not a very confrontational person. Mm -hmm. But instead of even like pulling you to the side, he's just always trying to play peacemaker. You know, he's that kind of personality. Right. Right. You know. But I, I did like you know like he's always the one trying to calm down the tensions and kind of keep people focused on what they're there to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm also pretty certain he's the one who pulled the weed out.
1: <laughs> so that's, my
0: name is Slow Drag, and I
2: like Cutler too as being kind of like I guess you could say he's one the lead of the band in a sense. I
0: mean, yeah, he he definitely he does seem to have that that relationship with my it to suggest that right. Um. And she she does kind of confide in him a little bit,
2: and he's also kind of like that in between between Marani and Levy because on one end, mm-hmm. he he recognizes the talent in Levy. You know what I'm saying? Le- Levy got a big head or whatever, or um, what my grandma would say he's smelling himself. Mm-hmm. But you know he knows that the cat the guy the guy is talented and stuff. You know, and he also has a. a like you said a, re- a relationship with um my Rainey and he respects my Rainey and i think I think he wants that to all of that to work together for them to be able to have a relationship where both of them could work together and make music together, but you know they're such huge personalities you know between my and um levy,
0: yeah, and I was like I, when the film first started and levy um you know, they, like, you know, uh, doing the concert for everybody. And and I was like, am I, like, watching this incorrectly? Like, did the director mean to do this? Because, like, uh, <laughs> Levy comes out with, the, uh, with his horn, and then the spotlight goes on him. <clears throat> and I was like, the fuck is going on here? And then <laughs> she says, come on back, daddy, or something. And then the spotlight goes back down. I was like, oh, that's very intentional. But damn, that's bold as hell. Like, why would he do that? Like, that's that's going to go somewhere. I like how,
2: I know this, like, this kind of a a small thing and I know we were just talking about the bandmates, but I really, really love the acting in this film because there's a lot of stuff that I feel wouldn't work right if it wasn't for the acting.
0: Can can you give an example?
2: I agree. I'm just curious. I mean, the the whole entire movie because, Mm -hmm. you know, we have a movie that's based off a play and the thing about movies that's based off plays and they use the I'm going to use an example. So, I got this thing where, like, for some reason, I like to get high, and every once in a while, I like to watch Romeo and Juliet with with Leonardo DiCaprio. I've never seen the movie sober before. But I would say, like, it's such an interesting movie, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's a good way that they use, like, set pieces and stuff, and they use the exact same dialogue from Shakespeare, right? Mm -hmm. But Just like in this movie, if it wasn't for like the acting and stuff like that, it would just feel so it would just feel like it's just dragging on and stuff. And then there are certain moments where like even when Levy is giving his, you know, his whole thing about what happened to his mother and stuff. And Mm -hmm. this this whole, you know, long story that if it wasn't for the emotion and it wasn't the way that that Chadwick came with the character. It would I don't feel like it would have kept me the way that it
0: did, you know.
2: Let because say because there's
0: such long, so much exposition in plays. I was gonna say, let me say something about that too. That's actually really interesting. Because first off, I did, not to get too far along by what other people think of the film. But one thing that was interesting, if you type in right now Twitter, my Rainey, one of the things that come up is like Ma Rain, Rainey boring. And reason I brought that up is it's I think it is kind of interesting. Like if you're not somebody who like enjoys theater or or can like recognize it when it's happening right certain things can feel like why the hell is this happening why is this dragging um yeah. and then some things feel like more embellished than like maybe they should be so like that story by levy is an example another one is like when color talking about that preacher mm-hmm. and how he Meant to go to the bathroom, Max Dillon, Mr. Train. And then he's being um, followed by a group of white guys who are you know, calling him the N word. And then, you know, um, so he's committing blasphemy by dancing after they told him to dance because um, he's holding a Bible and got a cross on. Um, the thing that's weird, though, is those kind of things did happen, though. Um, and I think we're so it's weird like in our generation to watch something like this you know we do we have karens right but we don't have people dragging men uh by horse and just you know skinning them essentially like some candy man type shit that kind of stuff did happen and it wasn't like some occurrence where it'd be really weird to even know what took place it was just some regular ass shit and when it would happen even in something like um lovecraft country those sorts of stories and tales of horrific racist things people would just have a hard time conceptualizing that those things took place well and also i think just from
2: a thematic standpoint and like would add to your point when people say that it's boring like, if you don't know that it's based off a of play, I can understand it's being boring to a person, you know, just like what you're saying. And so, like, the thing, of course, with film, big thing everybody say, you supposed to show and not tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you just got one person sitting here and you got like one or two shots of them just standing talking. It, that especially with today's audience you lose people pretty quick yeah
0: the people find that boring they they think it's not it's not cinematic in the way we would expect in 2020 and but right. the thing is that's not what the film's supposed to do you right know? but
2: but that was the same um if you go back and look at um the other august wilson play that was made fences? to the movie um fences mm-hmm. people had some of the same type of complaints about fences the acting was superb though you know and yeah, I personally, I, I personally like movies like this when it's but but the thing is, is like that acting does have to be on a whole nother level, though, just like mm-hmm. I said, to where like it can really grip you. And um, because there because, like I said, because there is so much exposition, Like normally I would think with a more cinematic film, like, for example, why Levy's telling his story about his mother, we actually see it happening. Yeah, that's what you
0: would expect, yeah. you a
2: flashback, and we're seeing a lot of this and He happen.
0: wouldn't even be taught. Talk- so, you know, like, the thing is, nowadays, all right, now, if you've done it another way where he keeps talking, but then you see right. it happening, people will complain about that, too. But that's not good storytelling anymore. You would have to, like, have him start the story and go into the flashback, and then you see him staring, crying in the space. Um, and then people say, that was really good, you know. Right. Um yeah but it's literally meant to work like a play. they like, literally there were some moments where people were like, uh, you know, oh, well, it's only got a, a few uh, settings. And it's like, yeah, it's a play. <laughs> yeah, like that's kind of how it works. Um,
1: There's that rule with adapting plays to movies that you have to get people outside and get them moving and get them to do all this. And I like that they didn't buy into that too much because a lot of it is based on just the interaction between these people. And it works better in one,
2: right? An angry and it,
1: location.
2: Just like um, what was it? Twelve Angry Men take place in one location. It's probably one of the best movies I've made.
1: Yeah. Mm. If you like, yeah. let's have them go outside and argue in the park. No, just be stupid. <laughs> <laughs>
0: let's let's waste budget. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can they be driving?
0: Shouldn't they be? Yeah. I don't know. It, it's kind of funny. Um. So yeah, I, I don't. Color is really cool. Um. I, I think he's he's definitely like the leader of the group and the one I think for Levy, he, he wants to see him succeed, but he also wants him to have a certain amount of, you know, humble pie, you know, not like he wants to humble him. Like he needs to be beneath him, but like he is trying to impart some knowledge to him, you know, that you, there, there's a certain way to go about these things, you know, um, and, and that you need to have some caution about trusting people just on their word, especially when they white, given that particular, you know, moment in time Uh, in general, what do you guys think about how religion was handled in this film? I, I thought it was really interesting and it's, it's very different from how you see religion normally played um, with anything that has a primary black cast. I, you do not see this, sort of cynicism very frequently. I can't even think of another example off the top of my head of a film that, or or staged anything that features mostly black people that talks this way about Christianity or, or the concept of God.
1: I think one of the ways this movie stays fresh is just the cynicism because you see things in olden times and you always assume people are super naive and you know, people were so stupid in the 20s, they didn't know anything, but it's just one of the ways that they bring you right into the story is by showing you like no no, whatever things you've thought of, they thought of this a hundred years ago. Mm. All right.
2: Um <clears throat> I don't know. I think um me and my mom was actually talking about this before I started recording with y'all, and she said she she liked the movie, but she didn't like the stuff she said that's the the blasphemous parts, right? it was mm-hmm. too much for her and I was thinking about that even for myself like some stuff like because the first thing that came to my mind like was like dang you know I don't think I could sit down and write something like this like I couldn't write a character talking like this mm-hmm. and that's just me being honest I, I just know I can't
1: mm-hmm. because
2: of like my my faith or whatever but then it but then it also feels so true to the character though right mm-hmm. or so it's in a way it's a um, I guess you could say it's a brave thing for for one someone to write something like this that's so truthful to the character and also for an actor to to display that feeling and that emotion, you know. Because um, I mean, I don't I don't really know what what it was that Chadwick believed in, but I would assume if if I was a Christian and I would, you know, as a Christian and if I was acting playing that role, that would be extremely hard to get that out. But if you if you can become that character, and you know what that character been through, it's understandable why he would have so much, um, would you call it, so much hurt and so much hate within his heart towards um even the idea and the concept of God.
0: Yeah, I, I was fascinated with it, just from the idea that even if you look today when we have circumstances all right and it was a tragic one obviously but in um dylan roof who goes and prays with people in south carolina um, and i believe he killed nine people um non-black people at a black church and then when these things happen all these different versions of things like this or when you're talking about uh you know zimmerman um, and Trayvon Martin, all these different examples we've seen, like in the past decade or so. There's always this thing where Black people are asked to come out and be uh, forgiving, and oftentimes it's it's coded with something related to God and the belief in God, and like like you can't even like be mad or frustrated or or show anger, um. I've always thought this was weird too. Like when you go back and look at a lot of the writing from different periods when, and and the thing is like, this isn't always true. I think there are several uh, women writers do this a lot, like in the early 20th century, mid 20th century, they talk about like this frustration with God. Like why do we have to go through the things that we go through? Um, There's very rarely somebody who is, I mean, because this Levy doesn't seem like an agnostic, doesn't seem like an atheist. He's mad at God. Mm-hmm. And that's a like, why is my mother calling out for help and you not doing nothing? If I sit here in, in color, I come out to you and, and try to stab you. Is he going to strike me down? Show me. Show me how this is going to work. He's a very angry, angry, angry person. Right. And not even just said, you know, like so in that conversation earlier, we talking about the devil. I do a deal with the devil. I don't care. I mean, you you get this sense of he's a blasphemer really early anyway. He he just mm-hmm. doesn't take any of the serious things. Yeah, i do a deal with the devil. I don't care, you know. He he his he feels like he's dead inside already anyway. Right. And there's something so fascinating to me about that. This idea that people who went through Jim Crow lost their faith because of what they went through. I mean, I could. I could see how that could happen. Mm -hmm. I can also see how the faith
2: can increase because of the things that they had to go through.
0: Yeah. But the thing is, we always see that version of it, though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We see that. Yeah. We definitely see that.
0: We very rarely see this version of like the I've given up, I've lost faith and I'm angry at everybody. And if you do something as simple as step on my shoe. Is over with. Right. Which became a thing it, look this is nineteen eighty two people stepping on Jordans there was plenty of stabbings and shoes about that much later, oh yeah,
2: and they, they strike blowing folks off over a pair of shoes um, to this day to this day to this very day, yeah, yeah, and it's it's one of those things where, like I said, I felt like that was so true to the character because even though in myself, I know I would never talk like that. I also would never have couldn't imagine what it is to experience what he experienced. Right. You know. Um, experience that happening to his mother and stuff. What did you what did you guys think about his father though? Yeah. What he said about his father. That was interesting, right?
0: I didn't know where that was going when he first saying that his father sold the land to the guy. And when he smiled in the white man's face. And then he went back and started commando in their ass. <laughs> I thought the fools flared Rambo on. No. <laughs> the man said take the money, get, move somewhere else, go get straight. And I got this. That's I mean the thing is that man was driven, you know, like that but but who wants to have that sort of rage in their heart, you know? Mm-hmm. And he said that's what let him know how to handle you know, people like uh Sturtevant, you know but his rage blinded him you know it made him feel like he just was getting over and understood some stuff he just totally didn't get you know and and to not see ma rainey as an ally somebody who could help you and just have jealousy towards her that's a mistake yeah but she she has some type of feeling towards him too I well, think. no, but that's because he keep trying to. Well, I guess we should get to that, too. He kept trying to get with Ducey May and then did. And I'm pretty sure she knew that happened. This- I don't think it was the Ducey May stuff. She just generally didn't like him.
2: And, you know, another thing I was thinking, too, about the acting is like, if you if you notice, they never
0: really they don't really talk directly to each other that much. They don't and they don't need to. I think the the director did a good job in the way it's edited. There's a really you get a real good sense of what they think of each other. Like even while I was saying that first scene, they don't have to say shit to each other. They don't like each other. And she clearly no. thinks he's he's trying to, you know, uh outshine her in her damn show. But I mean, but the thing is band members ain't supposed to be doing that yet. I mean, right. like, that's not a thing. You're not there to see them, you know. They're not the talent, they're not the name on the on you know on the on the ticket.
2: Yeah, and I like how when they do get into an argument, if you notice like my Rainey, Rainey doesn't really look at him, she's looking at Cutler and she kind of side looks at him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's some good acting right there. You know, because it it shows like who is like I guess in a way like who's really in power in this between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, he getting worked up and he was like I don't give a fuck about getting fired and all this and everything. <clears throat> She's not even looking at this man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but she clearly, I thought like, when you look at that last moment when he walks out, when Levy walks out, Deuce May is following, like following him with her eyes. I and my Rainey notices that. Yeah,
2: she does. But yeah. I don't even know how messed up she really is about that because I know like yeah, I don't really know. Is that character? Like, I, I think that she kind of. You know, just It's not regarding- a
0: loving relationship. She's using her the same way. They both using each other, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's all, that's what it is. But that's not the point. The point is, he know who the boss is, and he's still over there, you know, being a habitual line stepper. <laughs> 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 you know, that's like... Line stepper. That's not... The point is, It. she don't really care about Deuce and May like that, but it's like, the rules have been set, and the band telling you that's Ma's girl. D- don't right. do that you know and and she knows that the the signal been set because she got the band under control she knows how to manage people you might disagree about how she does it but she she understands the implications of what she says and how they communicate things back to people mm-hmm. so she know the message has been sent and he don't give a damn so she's like all right clearly especially i talking all this shit in front of the white folks, too. You going to talk shit in front of them, too? All right. Get your ass out of here. Right. You know, because that's another thing. You ain't supposed, And Keith, I know you've seen even, even to this day, there's certain things you could say and do. But doing that shit in public, no matter if folks white or not, like certain conversations can be had to the side. But don't do that shit out in public. You know, you asking for a different level of pain at that point or consequence. Well, some people actually don't understand it. Usually younger, younger people don't understand that. Yeah, he's just, you know, Levy is just an angry, angry man. Um, And, you know, what what happens at the end with him? I mean, he's just somebody who needed help. You know, that's what it feels like by the end. You know, he, he just couldn't control his own impulses. He was just, he wasn't going to do that to the white guy, to, to uh Studevant. Mm-hmm. And then he lashed out at somebody who cared about him. And that happens a lot, you know, in all kinds of ways for people who are going through their their traumas, you know. Um,
1: you lash out at people you think you can safely lash out at. So you yes. Have, I mean, you see it all the time, but like, you know, the whole idea of the left being a circular firing squad. Where <laughs> it's, it's the idea of like, we're all 80% in agreement on all these things, but let's disagree over these small, narrow things because we feel safe arguing with each other. and We know we trust each other to be rational and reasonable. And it's almost more disappointing when somebody on the left like doesn't agree with you on some lefty thing.
0: Yeah, they really need to learn to do that shit. Like not in public though. That, Dude, that's I, kind of...
1: I, I started a policy in 2016 of if I agree with somebody 80, percent I am not arguing with them in public.
0: <laughs> like this isn't happening. Yeah, I, I, think don't I, know.
1: I think I broke it after Biden got elected because I was like, it's safe now. But- <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, did he yet? Um, yeah, no. You have to get through January 6th. Okay. Uh, but well, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, I overall, I think this movie's pretty good. Um, I I definitely see you know where some people might have certain criticisms but i think a lot of that is related to this it's just not really um kind of embracing that it's theater first um right yeah. but overall i mean i, I think it, it's it's definitely worth watching it i mean there's a lot to uh get from it the all the, the performances are really awesome and um I just really, you know, uh, you know, one of the things that was really interesting about the whole Blasphemous scene is the context in which, you know, Chad is is giving that performance. Kind of like the, you know, why would these things happen? Um, I mean, you know, he's like living his best life. I mean, as far as everybody knew, you know, Black Panther 2 was getting ready to start and he was just... um, He was just starting his ascent to become like one of these you know pioneers in some ways for a lot of people and 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 really just continue this incredibly impressive career he had had up to that point and to see somebody in this like almost like meta context you know yelling out I mean I, I don't think he's got this sort of frustration but I know there must be some part of him that's just like damn like why is this happening this sucks but I mean clearly by the time he had gotten to um in 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 his actual life he had gotten near the end he seemed to have you know um just really embraced certain things and he was always doing stuff for kids who were sick and and people just didn't even think you know more and more any more of it. Cause that was just who he was, but you know, um, in some ways he was doing something that, that meant a lot to him that was deeper. And he, and he even did speeches speaking to some of those things, um, yeah. and how much they mattered to him. But, um, it's not until after everything else that you, you realize kind of the full weight of what he was going through. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I keep going back to what Keith said about the God speech um, and whether he'd be comfortable delivering it. And I feel the same way where I don't think I'd be comfortable delivering it. But I guess it's like, is this in the service of the play? And does the play believe that or does that character believe that? And I don't know the answer to that. And I I think the play is kind of introducing the idea of, and I'm sorry to go to Marx again, but it, it it feels a little bit like religion is the opening of the masses. Mm-hmm. And especially at that era in American history and arguably now with what you talked about with like Dylan roof, you know, religion being the sort of like moderating force of now, now don't be angry. I know this is totally terrible, but the Christian thing to do is to just grin and bear it and turn the other cheek. And, you know, there does come a time when I can definitely understand people saying, all right, this is bullshit. This is just keeping us from getting the change that we deserve.
0: Well, enough fortunately um i'm not downplaying what what you know the dylan roof situation in any way but there were dylan roof situations happening all the time back then that i you know oftentimes didn't get reported hell and to this day hell now are denied
1: it Um, happens constantly and there's always it's it's just like you said it's like people expect black people to turn the other cheek and you know, because there's such a strong Christian tradition in African American culture. And I don't know. I mean, and I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm not saying it as like, yeah, Christian, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it, it, but it, I it's. It, I don't see it as an engine of, obviously, historically, it's been an engine of oppression. No question. Mm-hmm. But like, what I believe in isn't that part of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and in, in, I, I guess that, you know, there's a in Keith, like like you mentioned, a lot of people who went through those tragedies um, through their faith, found strength, you know, you know, and, and were able to overcome the things they went through because of their faith. Um, this is just a different side of the coin. Um, if you can be saved, you can also be lost. And this is somebody who was lost. Right. You know. Um, and, and I think at least that that's the way that I um, understood that. And I appreciated seeing that because it's so rarely seen. I mean, I, I you know, I mean, I focused on, you know, um, things pertaining to black people. But I mean, I think that's pretty its probably rare in general in American art. There's not a ton of that. And where there is, it does seem to be very focused, cent- like centered around primarily the idea that like, you know religion is a tool for oppression and all this kind of stuff and and i don't think that's even necessarily what the play is going for um but just this idea that like that that is what the the racism of the south and just racism in general can can do to you like this complete lawlessness by people who can act without regard for consequence yeah you know um I think that's more what it is like almost like this complete just disregard for the humanity of other people just because they they have different skin color than you, you know, and what what sort of mindset that can lead you to. I mean, because this, I mean, Levy is an artist that is particular, you know, his temperament. Right. And he he wants to be out in the world and have fame. But I mean really a fame. I mean, this is kind of like this dichotomy that happens with all kinds of entertainment where people may who are black may feel some sort of way about racism. But at the end of the day, being famous means being famous oftentimes with white people, even if you have that resentment towards them. And what does that mean? If you feel like a lot of people are being racist towards you, but then like being f- successful and famous means having all that. I mean, because that's one of the the weird dichotomies about Kanye West. He spends so much time early on talking about George Bush doesn't care about black people and gold digger. And it's so, you know, uh, crack music. There's so many examples. Like you could go through this list of things. We talked about how either the government's bad or white people are bad or whatever, or, you know, you, black love and all this kind of stuff. And then you see kind of his transformation to somebody who just like has to shower himself with the adoration of, of, people he you would have thought he wouldn't have wanted any anything to do with, including, you know, the Trump administration, who, by and large, have not really shown a lot of respect and dignity for people of color. You know, it it's a really interesting thing that that can swallow people up in different ways when they have certain things that they value. Um, I don't know, it's it's interesting. Um, but we could go down a long tangent if we go all the way down that rabbit hole, but it, it I do find it fascinating though.
1: I have a, I don't want to do too big of a rabbit hole, but just the thought I was having the other night is, you know, some people are like, I'm in service to this identity. I'm in service to, you know, being a man, being a woman, being white, being black, being gay, being anything you want to slice us up as. Gamer. Who are just like a gamer. <laughs> there's people who <laughs> are like, who are like, well i'm in service of art and like that person that's more important to me than any of those other things Mm. and that's just such a lonely place to be and i kind of think that's where this character is he's like Mm. i'm in service of art and that's more important to me than being a man being black being white being anything and i would
0: say maybe for this character art is secondary and and some version of like fame and respect, like being at power. Fame and power. Or, or not even just fame, but like because he cares a lot about his shoes to the point he's, you know, you step on him, it's over with. And he wants to have the power that Ma Rainey has. So he not only disrespects her, he tries to to like make sure they play his version of her music and he has sex with the person he knows is her um you know her uh, lover at the time he's very much interested in power and being able to like have control over situation because everything that he is everything that he is at that moment is based on this moment where he had no power where his father told him to be a man and he had zero power to save his mother. And there was no safety net. There was nobody who could help him or stop that that terrible moment from taking place. He wants control. He wants power. He wants a safety net. He wants to feel like he won't suffer that sort of, um, that sort of moment ever again.
1: The art is in service of power, respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That does make more sense. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's messed up, man. I mean, like that that trauma really, really um it, it guides everything else that he does. And he's so sensitive to it, you know. Because people look, even even today, people will make fun of you about like, certain stuff if if you don't have a certain relationship with people and like they see you they think you just kowtow on the white people, they will make fun of you a lot. <laughs> like oh um, if, if they if they don't think like you actually have a relationship with the people and you're just like you know, completely subservient or whatever kind of way, and like you, you know, you can either laugh it off or some people will go into a levy moment and they'll tell you why that ain't the case. It's, you know, so um, yeah, or well, you, you know,
2: it's. I think it's always better to not give a fuck about what people think. I had people feel that way about me just because, you know, just because you could have a manager like a white manager is just generally cool with you, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not even, you ain't even gotta be kissing their ass. You know, they just generally could like you and they think that you're doing something extra or being like, yes a massa, no a massa and all that other shit. And it
0: ain't even gotta be that way. I like how you took all the T's out. Well, every
1: fucking thing is racialized. Everything is racialized because America is America. And we started the way we did. And our whole country is built around slavery Mm -hmm. and it's hard to shake. Like, it's not going to happen as, as easily as everyone would like. It's just every every interaction is somewhat fraught with, with that fact. And it's like, you can't, it's weird to talk about it all the time, but it's also weird to never acknowledge it. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, we, we are maybe a couple of generations from that not really playing as much of a factor, but um, it's good that we still have, um people who in their art are of willing to acknowledge that and give us an opportunity to kind of have these sort of conversations and um you know go from there uh one other thing i do want to acknowledge too that i it, it's kind of a throwaway thing but it, it you know it, it's worth mentioning so this play was written in 1982 but even books written way back in, like, 19th century by Black people, you know, you know, in some cases, like, before they were allowed to, to read or write. Um, there's a lot of casual N-words all over the place. I just want to say one more time, it's not our generation who did this. Uh, <laughs> this is happening. This is a casual, how people talk to each other. Hell, if you got uh, uh, Black grandparents, you heard them say all kind of stuff that, you know, before it was NWA and any of that kind of crap. So... I just think it's funny because in casual conversation, that is how people talk, you know, in in many cases. Are you um, just talking about like as far as saying the N-word? Yeah, a lot. Yes. Yeah, so that, that.
2: They go that goes into those things
0: that you could say amongst each other, but not in public, type of deal. Yeah. I mean th- and the thing is, nobody needs to be policing how people talk in private. It just became this public thing as it kept getting put in music. But I, you know. I don't like saying it. I don't like saying it outside of being around black
2: people because I don't want other folks to think it's all right. Yeah, that does happen if you get a little too casual. But, like, um, what was it? You remember that boy in high school? Which you one? The, you remember the, the white boy used to be with us. Um, oh, oh, that did happen. Brian. Oh, you had to well, say his name. That, <laughs> what, yeah. yeah. It's so many Brian's
1: in the world. But the point I made I, is I just it, want to clarify, I did not go to college with Aaron Key.
0: He did not. No, this, uh, this, this <laughs> isn't even college. This is high school. This did like I I ain't gonna lie I kind of forgot about that till you said it that definitely happened and we the record there was no real record scratch now that like we were part, but we did look at him like hey man hey 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 I didn't forget about it cause somebody uh, somebody
2: said something to me about it like some I forget which girl was around there it was it was a black woman black girl and she said something to me about it like pretty much like dang y'all ain't gonna do nothing y'all ain't gonna say nothing to him or whatever well, those do beat him up I mean we just told him don't do it again. I mean, I said, man, that's that's friend, Friend, man. <laughs> Daniel, wow, Is that what you said? I, I
0: that's
2: why that. she didn't talk to
0: me after that. No,
2: but um, but I don't know. Yeah, all that stuff, all that stuff, be real.
0: I guess I should have remembered that lesson. Not that I didn't. I I don't do it around people who who ain't black. But uh, yeah, man. I think we did a couple of times. And he, yeah, we did a couple of times. But and yeah, I think okay. we had to like tell him if I
2: remember correctly, because I he got too comfortable
0: yeah yeah no that definitely happened i I, got I I saw i saw him as soon as you you started bringing us because i was like what happened i was like oh yeah yeah. Uh, yeah hey you know what he's doing good in life though so well, that's yeah. awesome man, you know <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's that's you know the neil Brennan podcast the uh we were talking a little bit of, a little bit ago about the chris rock interview yeah mm-hmm. he's the guy who co-created the Chappelle show yeah mm-hmm. and his thing is uh he's like, where white people fuck up is they get too familiar. And I never heard that phrase before, mm-hmm. but I was like, that kind of is like how that's how I try to be conscious of not fucking up. Yeah. Cause like, you're not going to fuck up and say like, like if you're like a liberal white person, you're not going to say something like, yeah, I don't want any of them moving to the neighborhood or something. That's not where you're going to fuck up. You're going to fuck up by like overstepping <laughs> and like Rachel Dolezaling. Love. Yeah. And that's, That's the challenge, because it's like you're coming from a place of like, oh, I love this. Like, I think this is great. Like, I like this music. I like this. I like this movie. I like whatever. And it's like, okay, but you're a (laughs) guest.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's funny how that doesn't necessarily work the other way around. Like we have to assimilate to white culture, learn certain things about white culture, Like, even if you don't like. So this is is something that, you know, um, I think, typically is interesting even if like you don't plan on being christian or doing certain things when you're black there's a certain amount of things you just have to teach your children about abrahamic religions and other stuff so they can assimilate properly otherwise mm-hmm. it's just gonna go really awkward for them for no reason <laughs> you know like why take away an advantage you had right so you know whether it's like hey you got to learn some of this music or hey you, you got to read some of these texts <laughs> you know you do i'm gonna have to at least like is it, it, Christmas comes up? You're gonna have to learn, you know, that uh, about the three kings, like this is gonna have to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> oh, it's, it's kind of funny though. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. You guys got anything else? I, I feel like we're like veering so far from the movie now, although this stuff's all you know, tangential, but you know,
2: yeah. Um... Man, I, like I said, I enjoyed it for what it was. I think, like, like I said, people take it to um, expect something more from it, and they might be disappointed. Why is this not the pinnacle of film? I mean, it's not meant to be that way. I think it's more so just an appreciation of August Wilson or just a, a Black playwright and just exposing, you know, bringing his work out to... A new audience, and you know what's so funny? After like I watched this, after I watched um Soul Disney Pixar film, I haven't watched that yet, and I I don't want to tell y'all about what it's about, but I know what it's about. There's some there's some correlations you know. I feel somewhere in there between these two films in a way. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I know enough about it to to well, go. Oh,
0: okay, that could make sense.
2: Well, more so, more so, just from your point and like how we form and I, or more so Tim's point both of y'all points, I guess, how we form identities off of certain things. And these that's the story that we tell ourselves. Like if you identify yourself as being a, a artist, this is who you think you are in and out, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, there's a lot of that going on. That's so I, I, I highly suggest out. you guys, like I, I love animated films myself, but um, I know some, some people don't be into it, but I highly suggest so. I think it was a well-made film also. And I think it's a good companion, good film to watch after or before you watch My Reign Black Bottom, honestly.
0: Okay, cool. I mean, all Pixar films are about like acceptance, and oftentimes, like acceptance is something really messed up. Mostly... Yeah, like it's a lot like, um, what's it called? Inside Out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh I, you said In Out. I, I, my dumb ass. I said, you same thing. Yeah, Inside Out. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, really, Toy Story um cars um wally Mm -hmm. um they all got oh yeah all them have something about acceptance a lot of them deal with death or like loss of identity like toy Story is definitely like about like loss of identity and who you believe you are and what your purpose is all this kind of stuff um yeah so i'd expect this movie to be something like that um inside out so interesting i really like that movie anyway um yeah, Tim, any last thoughts before we wrap up?
1: You know, the only other thing is just if if I'm going to get real preachy, if there's a <laughs> film critic out there or there's like a future film critic out there, just review movies by what the movie is trying to do and not what you think the movie is supposed to do.
0: Oh, that's real hard for people.
1: Yeah, it just it, it makes me crazy. I read a review of Promising Young Woman the other day and they're like, it should have been like this. And it's like. Yeah, that's not what the movie is. <laughs> yeah, you can
0: write that piece, but that's not a review. That's like a you know you can do an autopsy or something on the film. I didn't know that film was out review.
2: already. Oh, it's so
0: fucking good. Hmm.
1: What can kind I of watch it? I'm just, I, I'm getting a little off. I think it's only in theaters, which is weird.
0: But... <sighs> Damn, oh, that's not. I can't watch it yet. I yeah. still got an infant. They just got here.
2: I Might just get masked up and gone up in there,
0: masked up, pretty great. I mean, now, now here's the thing: how has Future not made a masked up song and
2: <laughs>
0: in, in like in in, in made a, like a bajillion dollars with some mass brand yet? How's this not happened?
1: What's MF Doom been doing all this time? Hey, uh, look. did I just sound like did I just sound 45 years old? Uh, no,
0: but I think we need to be calling people's agents and uh, taking some, some, uh, you know, a little bit of change for those ideas. Though, <laughs> That's what I think. That, that's my closing thought on the podcast. We need to uh, call all these mass people, these mass musicians, go get some dough. Right. <laughs> uh, no, nah, the movie is awesome, though. Uh, definitely watch it. There's plenty to get from it. Um, and remember, if you're getting a little agitated, it's a play. It is definitely a play. <laughs> it's a little slower, but that doesn't make it any lesser. Um,
1: off. There's rewards. Patience will be rewarded.
0: Yeah. I will say though, real quick, this is also a, a point that's related to what y'all just said. I have the so chapter one thousand one piece just came. Well, it didn't come out actually. The scanlations is not the official release, but it's really good. And you'll get these people on YouTube. I listen to like a bunch of YouTubers talk about stuff, and they'll talk about what they think should have happened instead of just enjoying what happened. And I just want to fight all of them because it was awesome. And it's just like, well, this is what should have happened. I think that blah blah blah. I'm like, I don't. I'm not here to Are make- you talking about you talking about One Piece? Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation.
2: I know. I'm just saying people <laughs> I'm do that. I'm, people way. do that with everything. Some type of way about their show, though man um, it's so good anyway it's, it's all right this this is my thing okay i'm gonna say this one thing i feel <laughs> like it shouldn't take so many episodes for something to be good you know no
0: but I, the anime is slow
2: cutting room floor anime Like, because there's slow. a lot of slow in there
0: yeah you watching a bunch of filler bro i didn't tell yeah, you yeah but
2: that. that's the, the point i'm making is that that's that's it's it's hard for me it is but anyway i digress watch you know, a filler
0: guy all right so you're
1: you watch-
2: talking about anime <laughs> that's a whole I'll say one concept. more
1: thing
0: it, yeah. So, look one one tip though, if you watch anime, get a filler guide. Don't, don't do what Keith is doing. Don't watch hundred episodes of Bull. Get a filler guide.
2: Okay, no, this this is what I'm about to say though. Think about it. I know, like Tim doesn't watch anime, but but why would you like? That's like if you watching The Crown, right? And you got to watch thirty good, thirty bad episodes, <laughs> five good episodes.
0: Because. That's- that's literally what happens. Because the anime, anime and the manga are being produced at the same time. And you're not going to make money if you're not airing episodes, Keith. So you got to air a bunch of filler that's nothing so you can get that money. And then you catch up to the manga while the anime is running with the good stuff. That's all. So your know, okay. production, uh, oh. Japanese shows for everybody.
2: I'll, only with Japanese. Only with the... Only with
1: the- <laughs> I, I posted a thing on Reddit a while ago about how movie theaters were getting a bailout from the from Congress. Uh-huh. Everybody was like, "Fuck them, let them die," uh-huh. and I, okay. I just want to say, like, if movie theaters go away and there's no incentive to make enclosed stories, that's how everything is going to be. Oh it's God! It's just going to be, it's just going to be whatever AI, AI-driven content the streaming services can produce right. to make you keep watching episodes.
0: Oh, damn, don't don't burn forever to that future. that's, it. Jeez.
1: that's all it's going to be. It's going to be like YouTube, but on TV.
0: Oh, that does not sound good at all. <laughs> <laughs> HBO. So but what you're saying is HBO Max needs to fail. Uh,
1: not I, I, <laughs> I watched Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max. I enjoyed it.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, I thought it was very good. Okay. But if we get rid of the model of like self-enclosed feature film, entertainment's going to get really bad. I promise.
0: I'm yeah. No, I, I believe it. I believe it. Let's do that episode. Uh, one of these weeks coming up. I'm, I'm curious to hear more of your thoughts on that. And uh yeah, there's there's a lot to say. I feel like we covered a lot of ground. This is where we should probably close. If you in Georgia, if you really got through this much, especially all this filler at the end, um, you really enjoy listening to us talk. So I would recommend you give us a review. You recommend us to a friend. Share that joint all over the place. Great review Um on all the, well, on whatever perspective platform you're using. And then follow us on the social media accounts that Keith is going to read off. Oh yeah, so we on the,
2: the Facebook <laughs> with the old people. We're on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, and we're also on Instagram at the Low Key Pod. So follow us, like,
1: um, yeah.
0: hop hop in the DMs. Do what you feel. Man, he about to call every social media thing the Facebook.
1: I'm gonna, I'm, I'm moved by this. I'm moved by anybody who has stayed on for this long, listening to our tangents and stuff like that, which I thought was a really good conversation, but there were some tangents. Um, the first 10 people who email tim.molloy or you know what? The first 10 people who reach out to us on one of those social channels, we're gonna give a digital subscription to Movie Maker Magazine. Um, so you can read the whole magazine, including the upcoming issue with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and we'll announce it for the first time, Regina King on the cover. Um, nice. So, it's going to be a game. working on it right now, first 10 people who hit us up on one of those social channels, for listening this far, you're getting a free digital subscription. Oh,
0: awesome. I heard it here first. Well, I'm really excited, this is the first time I knew about Regina King, so I'm really hyped for that.
1: So, oh, we should see. talk about that movie, um, yeah. One Night in Miami
0: yeah let's do it let's do it let's make one of the upcoming joints so we'll see y'all on the next one and uh we'll have a next uh great episode to you next thursday wait a minute is this going? wait a minute this is a 2020 episode yes this is still going to be 2020 so next one's 2021 we're right there yeah all right let's get the hell out of 2020
1: did it bye see y'all
2: <laughs> peace